This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me at him! Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Sadness is in the house! Oh no! Anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Monster Mash. The Monster Mash. It was a graveyard smash. He did the match. It caught on in a flash. He did the match. He did the Monster Mash. From my laboratory in the castle east to the master bedroom where the vampires feast. The ghouls all came from their humble abode to get a jolt from my electrode. They did the match. They did the Monster Mash. The Monster Mash. It was a graveyard smash. They did the match. It caught on in a flash. They did the match. They did the monster match. The zombies were having fun. Happy Halloween, everybody. Welcome to Lead Singer Syndrome. I am your host, Shane Told, as always. And it is so good to have you on a special Halloween episode. Actually, no, it's not really special at all. Um, I just decided to play that song because... You know what? What the hell? It's Halloween. Some people are festive about it. You know, I know it's a Monday, um, but that's also the day that my show comes out. So I think it's perfect. But today we have a great show. My good friend, Chris Roeder of Lake Moz to Flames joins the show. He's had a pretty cool career. Obviously now three records done with Lake Moz to Flames. They've seen some ups and downs. Also, he's the original singer for Emma Rosa, which obviously they've seen some ups and downs as well. But we also talk about his upbringing, his Christian upbringing, which I didn't know. And that's all super, super cool. So this is a great episode. Thanks again so much for being here, as always. If you are listening to this episode on Monday, on Halloween, we're playing tonight in Mesa, Arizona. We're going to pull out all the Halloween stops. So please, if you're in Mesa, Arizona, come on. Come out to a great show. It's Memphis May Fire, The Devil Wears Prada, Silverstein, and of course... The guest of today's podcast, Like Monster Flames. Or if you're in California, we're going to be in San Diego. We're going to be in Pomona. Silverstein, actually, we're doing a free show at Chain Reaction in Anaheim, California. You can get wristbands from 2 to 7 p.m. the day of the show. I believe it is November 3rd. So show up sometime during the day, grab a wristband, come back for the show at 7. 
We have special guests as it is. Patty was on the show. I think it was the third episode I ever did. And of course, another great band from San Diego called My Iron Lung. So if you're in California, if you're in Southern California, make it out. It's absolutely free. And Silverstein, we're going to be doing a different set. We're going to play some different songs we haven't played in a while. Uh, It's just going to be a good time. I think we're going to take things a little more lighthearted. And I really can't wait for it. Also, in other news, my solo project, River Oaks, is going on its first ever tour. And I know I've talked about the project a little bit on the show. It's basically just me. I played all the instruments on the recordings. I'm going to be there, you know, by myself on stage. And I'm bringing along my friend Mark Rose, who used to be in a band called Spitalfield. It's just five shows. It's just in Detroit, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and New York. It is between the dates of December 26th and December 30th. Tickets are on sale now, riveroaksmusic.com. And of course, since it's just me, I'll be spending a lot of time after the show hanging out with everybody. So if you want to come say hi, that's a great opportunity to come pick my brain, whether it's about Silverstein, River Oaks, this podcast. I would love to meet you all. So check it out, riveroaksmusic.com. And also, before I forget, River Oaks will also be playing the Stay Warm Festival in Toronto, which is December 17th and 18th. Silverstein is headlining the first night. Protest the Hero is headlining the second night. Tickets are on sale for that as well. There's some amazing bands playing. American Nightmare. Can you believe it? Citizen is playing. The Flatliners. Code Orange is playing. There's so many great bands. It's going to be such a good time. So if you're in the Toronto area, don't miss it. Tickets are on sale now. I think it's staywarmfest.com. I don't know. Have a Google. Stay warm. We will be there. You need to be there. And like I say every week, I love to hear from you guys. If you want to get in touch, we're on social media. We got a Twitter, at Lead Singer Sin. Instagram, at Lead Singer Syndrome. We're on Snapchat. Well, my personal Snapchat. It is real Shane Told. And if you want to just email me, it is leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. Also, if you buy things online, please use our Amazon affiliate link. You just go to leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon. That's it. You go there. Whatever you buy, I get 4 to 6%. It really helps us pay the bills of you know, putting this show on every week. There is cost associated with it. So again, please just use that link. It's leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon. All right. I think that's enough blabbing for today. So let's do it. On with the show. so quiet uh, I think it has to deal with uh, I don't know I can't tell you <laughs> I'm here with Chris of Lake Moss to Flames on the back of the Silverstein tour bus on the Rise Up tour in San Antonio Texas hey feeling it you're feeling te- you're feeling San Antonio yeah it's a good one I think uh, we we've been looking forward to Texas so Houston, Dallas. We're expecting tonight to kind of go out with a bang. So. Oh yeah, no. It's like you know the most cliche question you're ever asked in interviews. You know, I'm asked, you're asked, everyone's asked is, oh, where's your favorite city to play? You know what I mean? Hmm. And San Antonio for me is actually definitely in the top five, top three. I'd even say. You miss the rabbit though. I kind of miss the rabbit. The rabbit. For people that aren't from San Antonio, because everyone from San Antonio knows about the White yeah. Rabbit, but if you don't know, it's basically it was kind of the shittiest venue like ever. 
It was like was it? It's like an old converted gas station that they turned Someday. into a venue. Um, but it had a lot of charm. I think there was, it, there was something about it just feeling more of like a, an underground room. You know, it was like a no rules type type thing, no no barricade, and yep. I, I think that's kind of what what drew us to there. You know, not, not yeah, and it was and it was cool too because it's like it was like half outside kind of. So like it, it got hot as fuck in there, but then people could go outside and and cool off, and so I do miss that place, man. We had some Same. of like the best shows ever, but but no, but San Antonio, man, it's 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 one of those places that like it goes under the radar. If someone asks you where your favorite place to play is, what do you say? I'm not asking you this question because it's cliche, but if someone were to ask, I feel you, like it's very. It would be like a cliche answer for us. It'd be like Denver or New York City, Chicago, yeah. like. Yeah, the, the cities that you'd pick out, you know, on, on a map. I guess Denver's kind of random. It's just one of those spots. I, I guess maybe has to do with the environment. Or, or you I, know, lo- the, I mean, I love Denver. It's a it's, great city, uh, but it's just it wouldn't be in my like. I put San Antonio higher up on the list personally. Yeah. Oh, I love it here. Oh yeah, like people, fans are just so passionate here, and it does seem that they're a little more—I don't know if receptive is the right word—but just more open to having a good time with their with their music. Like, right. I, I feel like you'll you'll play other areas of the country, and they're they're kind of like sticklers on what they like, and and down here it just seems like everybody's trying to have a good time and stuff. So, yeah, and it's funny you say that about San Antonio, and I really agree with you um, because there's a lot of places where, like yeah. Nashville. Dude, they were like, I thought they were like, you know, going to pull like a pitchfork out of their back, Those... back pocket. Like, these were serious, <laughs> serious people in that room, um, you know. And I don't know if, if it's because they want to hear a Christian band or if they want some certain sound, you know what I mean? But it's like, y- you're right. About we, that, we and felt a little weird about those, and I don't, I don't know if I, I guess it's because we're a little more off as far as not being, you know, religious, and that's a very, they're they're very forward about what they preach in, in their in, yeah. in their venue and you know it was, it was definitely w- different I wouldn't say weird very different for us so yeah and, and that's the thing too about our band is like we're not a Christian band and this tour actually I guess we'll talk about this sure why not I mean it's kind of a Christian tour I mean Memphis Bay Fire I'd say Matty Mullins Christian um, guy Christian band talk a lot about it um I think they had like Bible study going on on the tour a little bit. I heard about okay, uh, and then uh, Devil's Prada. I, I mean, they're they're still a Christian band. Yeah. They're a little, I don't want to say a little more removed from it, but like they're still drinking beer on beers yeah. on stage. Yeah, <laughs> but, I, I, I but yeah, for our, our bands, yeah, we're not we're not those bands. So I don't it, know if that matters to people. Is it weird for you guys coming out and doing doing a tour like this? Being like. I guess we would be cons- like quote unquote secular music to people who aren't. Yeah, I- is it a little weird? Like it's it's not weird to us anymore. Yeah, uh, no, but just you've done it so much, you know. Like uh, I remember the first tour we ever did ever was with a band called Narcissus and another band called House of Heroes. I know House of Heroes. Great band. Yeah. Great band. Still like yeah. still see Tim around sometimes. Dude, like great I, band. I think they're local to us, so they were pretty yeah. like, relative. Yeah, I think to... both those are both Ohio bands actually. Yeah. I think um, Narcissus was from like Akron, maybe. Okay. And uh, House of Heroes from. It, it had to be the same realm. It same was area. around. It's that area. Like yeah, and um, yeah, the whole thing was like we came out with these bands. All the people coming to the shows, they just assumed we were a Christian band. So we got labeled that way for years 
you know, and we were touring with Under Oath, and we were touring with Dead Poetic, and another Ohio Christian band. So, like, all these bands, you know, we, we got labeled that way, and uh, we disappointed a lot of people saying we weren't Christian. And the songs weren't about Jesus, even though people... I had people come up to me and say, say, well, that song is like, about Jesus. You're saying this. I go, well, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. It's not. You can take it for however you want, but it's not about Jesus. <laughs> so, uh, but, it, but you know, I think, it's, I think it's great to, you know, tour with all different kinds of bands, you know? I feel like uh, at some point when you're, you know, two, three weeks in, you just kind of have to learn to embrace it, I guess. Yeah. It's a, it, like I was in saying a little bit in, on Nashville, it's definitely weird for us, but I feel like it's something that we'll definitely look back at that show and it's a learning experience for us of what, you know, maybe we could have done this to involve the crowd or, you know, v- vice versa. And you know, we, Sure. But I mean, at the same time, you have to be yourself, you know, yeah. you have to be be your own band and you are who you are and if you're like you know one thing and I'm gonna have Mike Mike from Devil Wears Proud on the show uh, probably next week but uh, you know he's going up there every night and he's saying fuck Trump and he's saying fuck Trump in New York where every, obviously everyone's gonna cheer yeah. but he's saying fuck Trump in Nashville at a Christian venue and he's saying you know fuck Trump in Houston Texas where not necessarily everyone's gonna be on board with that, I mean, I know young people for the yeah. most part um, are, but you know, you're talking about Republican in areas and stuff, and he's he believes it, and he's not preaching to the choir, you know. For, sorry, par- yeah. pardon the, the no, <laughs> yeah. I, I know what you mean. <laughs> that was a funny yeah. saying to use there, but um, you know, he he says what he means everywhere he goes, and I think that having that integrity with who you are and what you believe is important. It says a lot about his character, I feel, to yeah. be able to stand up and say something like that. Absolutely, man. Well, um, first of all, I haven't really seen you around this tour at all. Yeah. It's been, what, two weeks? And I, like, I haven't really even talked to you. What have you been doing? uh, It's a little weird for us. I I think for us, we had a kind of a time where there was a big disconnect as far as the internal vibe of the band. And I think this tour, we've kind of been uh, really working on that. You know, there's been just some changes in the lineup that kind of freed up some negative energy that was going around in the band. And, uh, yeah, I think, you know, we, we found ourselves out watching sports every day or, you know, kind of just exploring the area, you know, going cool. out and getting coffee. And I, I think just trying to take more uh, more of the city in, you know, like I feel yeah. like last couple last couple of years we would tour and it just became kind of stagnant in the sense that we're showing up to the venue, loading in, sound checking, waiting to play, leaving, going to the next city. And uh, I feel like we're not truly really embracing getting to travel and, you know, starts to feel a little bit like work when you do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, I want to treat it like, like a business so that it runs well, but I also sure. want to treat it like I mean, at this point, we're five best friends touring. I know that sounds very cliche, but uh, that's what it's come down to. You know, there's somebody in the band that balances everybody else out. And I think it's taken up until the last couple tours, but really this tour to where we can truly, like, go out and have fun uh, as a group and it not cool. be really separated and stuff. But, yeah, I, I guess I, I've also been a little sick. You know, we were, we were yeah, testing on that before too. the podcast a little bit. So I, I've been trying to take it easy. You know, climate change has been a mess. Yeah, we've had a lot of climates in a very short time. This tour's like really jumped around, and I mean, it's like it's like summer outside today. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it, it can mess with you for sure. Um, do you find now, like, as you've 
you know, you've put out like three full length records. You've done so much touring. You know, the initial like freaking out about every little thing stage of the band is kind of over. And now as you get older, you're kind of like, ah, it's all going to work out. It's all going to be fine. We can let loose a little bit more. And, like, you kind of don't sweat the small stuff as much. Do you find that that's happening a little bit as you're getting into your late 20s? I think because as I'm getting older, I'm realizing that there are things that I can control and things that are just beyond me. You know, I I guess in the past there are things that would really, like, grind at me. You know, we'd get a merch order and it wouldn't be be proper. And, you know, I guess we've even gone through it a a couple of times on this tour where, you know, you'll get a shirt and you're expecting one thing and it comes in as another. And... Um, you know, normally that would really like kind of grind at me and really like chat, chat me. And, uh, you know, this, this tour has been kind of like, well, it'll work out when it works out, you know, let's send an email, let's do what we can. I I feel like it it takes too much energy for me to be worked up about stuff. And, and, you know, when you see stuff every day, it's like, it's kind of redundant, you know, the same, you're going to be put in oftentimes the same situation, just in a different city, different venue, different people. But, you know, we're kind of in the same realm of being thrown in, in the same, in the same mix every day. And I think, uh, yeah. It's the first time on the show. And, you know, we talk a little bit about now what's going on with the band and you guys letting loose and having fun, um, and having a lot of positive energy, but, um, I want to talk a lot about your early musical upbringing. Sure. Kind of how you became where you are now, you know, in, in the last whatever it's been, you know. Um, so I know you grew up in Ohio. Um, you know, what was like your family structure like and how did you how did you get into music and, and, and you know, decide you wanted to play in a band? Um, I think, it, you know, like most stories, I knew a kid in high school who would come in uh with like you know like a mixed cd and it's like yo you need to check out the, these bands and it was something that when i was you know 12 13 i think he was probably 14 15 he was a little older so i was a little impressionable i think that uh yeah that really drew me to wanting to to play music I, I guess when i was younger i was i mean my upbringing is very christian based i was very religious family so i guess it kind of touches on what we were touching on earlier and um a lot of the earlier projects that I started, I guess even in local bands, I felt like I was drawn to being like a Christian band or or whatever. I don't know if that was because of the era. You know, I, I guess Prada, Prada was just coming out in our scene. Um, yeah. Dead Poetic. We have bands like House of Heroes, you know, you know, going back. I'm trying to think of other bands like... No, there um, was a lot of Christian bands from like Ohio. Like 12 Tribes, Zao. Um, yeah. Dude, I can't... I I could go on, but it was just something where I felt like it was. We were all very impressionable, you know. I felt like it, it was the right thing, and uh, you know, I, I guess as I got older, band band to band, um, I, that kind of shifted. I, I guess if anybody knows anything about moths, the the lyrical content is a lot different from what I you know was just touching on. So for for me, I I, I guess it's a little weird because I've been writing about both sides of the spectrum from trying to write from a very uh faithful standpoint to where i i find faith in in religion and then i I guess over the last more like 10 10 years or so has been me kind of like coming out of that and uh i guess it's definitely been a, a little bit of a weird experience definitely a journey but um 
I guess that's like a fast forward to your your question, you know. Right, right. No, I, and I want to fill in those gaps, but but it's interesting what you talk about just with uh, starting, you know, growing up a Christian family, religious household, to now being like I didn't even know that, and you're like, well, we're a secular band, and we feel like a little bit like the odd man out. Um, how did that? How does that journey for you? How did that? How did that come to be? Um, I, I think like I, I guess like I like touched on when I grew up, it was all that I knew. It was what it was instilled in me from birth. Was every Sunday you're going to go to church, mm-hmm. you're going to go to Sunday school, you're going to participate in whatever you know the the duties of being a churchly Christian are. And uh, as I got older and kind of experienced a, a little bit more for myself, and I, I guess not to be super blunt about it but I kind of just stopped waiting for a sign for my problems and just kind of acting on it myself and I saw a lot more reward in, in all aspects and just music my love life my life with my family and it just was something where once I started thinking more not so linear on walking a fine line with Christianity or whatever and kind of exploring life outside of what I'd been taught from, you know, going going to church and stuff, I, I think it just really, just something clicked and it just like opened a train of thought with me to where it was very, very different. You know, I, I guess I started seeing things from an opposite side of things. Um, I wouldn't go as far as, as saying I'm an atheist or that I don't believe in God or for me, it's just a gray area. I I, mm-hmm. I I feel like I just don't I don't know enough answers, and it, it it's weird in in our generation where pretty much anything that you believe could be considered a conspiracy theory, whether it be like things like going back as far as like believing we landed on the moon or or things right. like. So it's like if we can't even really believe in science, how can we believe in something that's like? So, it it felt dated to me in a sense. the The process, the ritual of handling problems, and mm-hmm. just it, it all felt pretty pretty dated to me. And I, I hate to sound rude or or anything, you know. I I do feel that it's important to find faith in something to to carry you on through you know through your days. But for me, it just wasn't wasn't it religion. Didn't have to be that. Yeah, it didn't have um, to be the Bible or or yeah. whatever, um, or going to church or whatever. Um, How's your family feel about that? Do, is that something you discuss with them? Or, I mean, obviously, they're probably still going to church every Sunday. See, that's what's weird is my family's phased it out as well. But yeah. the the people who are very influential in our lives, my grandma, my grandpa, people who are, are still like the foundation of our family, yeah. like, you know, the, the old timers, people who like my, my grandma, she's one of my favorite. She's my favorite woman in the world, and I would never want to do anything that she doesn't view as me being godly or, or, or whatever. I just have a different view of what being godly is. And yeah. in my past experiences in writing, I, I was in a, a band called A Graceful. It's very Christian-based. The content was very in that realm, in that vein. And I never felt knowledgeable enough when a kid comes up to me and he's like, I need prayer, I need. I have questions, I have this I need to talk about. I was 17 to 19 years old yes. in the span of that band. I didn't feel right leading somebody when I wasn't, I didn't have my own life figured out. Right. Like, and, uh, 
it was really until I started writing with moths and I mean you know some of the content is very like just a- as it is but there's a a, a lot of our lyrics are very vulnerable uh, for me. I, I like to write about things that I feel like people that, that can help people outside of religion. I can't educate somebody in that because I don't feel knowledgeable enough in it, but I've gone through a whole bunch of shit in my life that I feel like if a kid has a problem, he can come up and talk to me and I can right. lead him out of that. And in just the sense where I can connect with him in the songs that I've written or, you know, I, I don't think that I'm any, at any point where I could tell somebody what to do with their lives, but if somebody were to come up to me now at this point and ask for advice, I would feel more confident giving to them, giving it to them now versus ten years ago when well, I was sure. in it. But I mean, that just comes with maturity yeah. and life experience too. I mean, um, yeah. So yeah, I know you were in uh, the band you mentioned. What was the name again? A graceful. A graceful. I couldn't remember exactly. That's all right. A and, graceful. And, and, and then, um, in- and then obviously. Uh, you went on to start Amorosa, or were, you were in Amorosa so, for a while. Amorosa was before Graceful. Oh, so okay, okay. They were already like somewhat of an established band. I, I guess there's been this weird. Uh, maybe this will answer the you know the the time old question that that people always ask is like, I, there are songs in that band that I didn't write. They were in a I guess trivial point in their career where the guy who was recording with them was just like a buddy was a guy that they had started the band with and just wasn't working out as well and you know they asked me to come record the album as like a second vocalist and it ended up just being something where i I guess i just overshadowed him a bit not not intentionally that's just kind of how it came to came to light and uh yeah, so the band was already like a the band in the mm-hmm. studio writing an album, and I just kind of came in, wrote three songs. Two songs were already written, and uh, kind you know did my thing as a as a lyricist, vocalist, or whatever. But um, when the band that band was kind of evolving, I guess you can yeah. listen to the band now and know that it's light years different than what it was. That was sure, a, but but I remember that EP coming out too. Yeah, like I remember Craig from Rise sent it to me. Like right when it came out, so I was familiar with. I've been familiar with Emrose's like entire career when you were in the band and everything. That for me was, I, I guess, looking back, that's my favorite. One of my favorite things that I've done, I think, because it was like the first. This is my first try at doing anything like that, right. and uh, it, it, you know, I, I guess it, it was something when when the band was evolving away. I, I can't. I wouldn't consider myself a singer. I can sing, need be. Uh, I just can use my voice in, in other ways. That doesn't really make me a, a true singer comparable to what they ended up finding in Bradley and Johnny yeah. after me. That was more of what they were going for, you know? So sure. when the band disbanded, I started a Graceful with some of the guys I was in a band with before, Amorosa. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, weird old love story, you know, rekindled, hit the dudes up. Let's start a band. Started a band, you know, played a couple shows and kind of just evolved from there. Um, Amorosa was a rise, so they ob- they continued. The Graceful was a pretty short-lived career on Sumerian. Yeah. Um, great time, but we didn't offer the label much. Young band, you know, I think the age group was 16 to 19. So I think it was yeah, a gamble wow. for the label and then... That's- 
That's very young. Yeah. How, so why did that? Um, why did you not give that ga- that? Why did you not give that band more of a go? Uh, it's very political. Um, political. I, I guess is the easiest way to put it. Um, we wanted to record. We wanted to do. We wanted to record. Sumerian didn't want us to record unless they heard demos. We didn't have okay. means to record demos. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't. It was like one of those things where we weren't really able to fund it ourselves being the age that we were. Touring, sure. Touring full time. Doing one to two slots on every tour we were given. Not saying I'm not thankful, but there just wasn't any room for us to invest back into the band. So it was one of those things where whoever... We were managed by somebody named named Stuart Taggart. He's passed. Since. I know Stuart um, very well, actually. He was uh, a great great man. Um, I was. I mean, I'll say this about Stuart: he's the kind of guy you wouldn't fuck with. Tough guy. Yeah he he's one of the scarier people I've ever involved myself with, but not for reasons that you would think like I, I don't I don't know but he he didn't see it he he pretty much told me that he he said I I can't do anything here like right. if you want to continue to have a career it can't be here so you had like a standoff with the label and kind of like. I I mean and, I I was 17 18 I remember being in their office probably one of the most embarrassing times of my life was being told I wasn't a good live vocalist. I wasn't good enough to be at the point where I was. I fucking cried literally in their office and had to just sit and take it. Like, it was my first experience. Sumerian told you this? Yeah. Like Ash? Yeah, I mean, we've obviously gone a long way since then. And uh-huh. I, I was very, very young. So I, I understand now. At the time, I didn't, though. You know, it was one of those things where we went in to have a meeting with intent of trying to lock in another album or singles or whatever. And and it was kind of like, we don't want to invest in the band because the live show isn't there. Uh, You're not carrying the band. Like, not as blunt as I I made it out to be. He He had his reasons, and I'm very thankful that he did because it kind of molded me into me being the vocalist that I am now. And, uh... Yeah, it wasn't pretty at the time, but looking back on it now, I don't really see any other way around it. Yeah, well, I guess it it kind of worked out. Yeah, you know, I, which, which is uh, which is interesting. Um, that is that is funny though. Like if you sign to a label, and then they won't give you money to make a recording, they expect you to pay for your own demo. That doesn't it really was, make any sense to me. It was weird for us, and we had even gone to try to do demos and just like try to provide things i i want to say I'm, I'm i think we wanted to go to sturgis which was like what Joey every sturgis, every yeah. band wanted to do then yeah. you know this was oh eight oh nine yeah so he was like top dog man and sure. uh definitely not as expensive as he is now and we we felt within reason that we could go create a pretty good album with him Obviously, they wanted to hear demos, but we were at a standstill because we're not yeah. we're not capable of recording demos. And I, I think the difference was a lot of their bands are very musically inclined, rightfully so. They have some of the 
the better progressive metal bands in our scene Veil of Maya, Born of Osiris, After the Burial bands who can provide a lot of content before going in to record we were just never that kind of band so just yeah there was a weird disconnect there well every label's different man like um you know we've never with silverstein we've never ever given any of our labels demos like we signed to victory records and really? we were we were little kids too and like well we, we had a demo that got them got, got signed but when we started like we were going to go in the studio we they just trusted us. We wrote whatever 10 12 songs and we gave them the record. They never asked for demos, they never heard anything. We sent them the final record and that was it and they put it out. It's kind of a blessing, honestly. It was they great. believed in the band enough to It was it was awesome. And that's like one thing when people ask, you know, cuz Victory Records doesn't have the best reputation. When people ask ask me I'm like, you know, well, how about that? Cuz that yeah. doesn't happen with labels and then when we signed with Hopeless, we almost I don't know if we got it in writing, but we almost said, "Look, we're not going to give you demos. Like, you're gonna if you like the band, sign the band. But we're not giving you demos. We're going to give you a finished record." How long in your that had to have been ten years into your guys' career? Something. Uh, have you guys? Yeah, almost ten years okay. into our career. Yeah. So, so I guess like that's just something we've done, and now like you know we own our own masters and everything, and rise. Rise is an awesome label too, and it's the same thing. We just give them the record and they put them out. That's how they've always been for us. Yeah, too. and that, but that's a big, a big thing that doesn't always happen. And and I don't know if you heard the stories about like like labels like drive through, like I being so hands on, like 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 the records would get delivered, and this is after demo after demo. You know, they would deliver a record, and be like, no, like track eleven. I think you need to rewrite the words in it. And then you talk about like a finished record, and they'd make them go back and change lyrics. And dude, that like, was one of my I favorite labels growing that. up. That's really a that kind of I guess changes my uh, opinion on the label. I mean, they haven't been a label forever now, but some of my favorite bands came from Drive Through. Like they had some great. I mean, my favorite Drive Through band ever is definitely the Movie Life. Like Forty Hour Train Back to Penn. What a record! That was a record I. I didn't discover till 2012, honestly. Yeah. Dude, summer of 2012, I don't know why I had started diving into that band specifically, but uh, it spawned a love out to love uh, Avalanche and, and sure. you know. Vinny, uh, Vinny, uh, dude. Vinny's amazing. He's an amazing Even dude. his solo stuff, man. I, yeah. What a performer, too. Dude. He's incredible, that guy. Yes. Um... So okay, so uh, yeah, like like you know, you're telling the story of your musical uh, upbringing. Um, so you had a graceful, graceful, and then that didn't work out. So how did you form like Monster Flames, and how did you get involved with Rise? Okay, this is like another one of those weird love story triangle things. So I guess what I didn't touch on is that Graceful was going through a lot of member changes, and that was another one of the reasons why the band shifted. Um, we were there was a band called Here I Come Falling. They had disbanded, and we like absorbed members from them. Mm-hmm. It was like an Emerosa Here I Come Falling band. And uh, when this was like uh, three dudes lived in Dayton, two dudes lived in Springfield, Missouri. Those dudes left. One dude left to start Romance on a Rocket Ship. It was like a pop, you know. Went signed to Island, you know. Got got crazy just beyond what what we were and. 
Um, the two guitar players that I started Moths with both tried out for a Graceful when the band was on its like dying legs. Yep. Um, so I'd known them from that experience. Obviously, playing local shows and stuff, we'd known of each other. Um, I'd played some shows with Aaron's local band called Terra Firma, and uh, that's how I knew of him to try out. And uh, it was just one of those things where I, I hit him up. A Graceful was getting rid of. Uh, a whole bunch of merch just to clear it all out and uh i hit him up and i was like yo dude my like a graceful's done and i was like you know anybody that want to start another band and he's like yeah like terra firma's gonna be done and uh that, that was his band so it just worked out that we kind of arranged some members around so we could start moths and uh yeah it, it was weird because i'd always vouch for those dudes zach mm-hmm. and aaron who both started moths that's why I had them them try out. I wanted them to be in a graceful, and uh, yeah, I, I guess I can't say I'm mad that it didn't work out because it brought me here. I don't think sure, I course. don't think a graceful's uh, lifespan had an, had anything on what moths has uh, you know already put out or anything. But d- definitely a little weird how it all came together. But uh, it's working. So yeah, man. Um- we took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. So then, then how did you get involved with Rise? I guess maybe okay. I, for, I you forgot had. to answer that. Sorry. Okay. Um, so they you know, they do like they were managing studios and stuff. I think before BMG, uh, like so. Oh well, I know they like jo- like Joey Sturgis and like Chris Crummett were kind of like their Rise guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. So at that time. a guy named Landon Tours. He's the singer of the Plot in You. Yeah insanely talented musician um we want him to record an ep self we were paying for it ourselves we went did the ep um like released a clip 45 second clip or whatever it was like our like here's what's to come from the band and uh i think rise wanted to hear what was recent to landon's recordings okay and um he sent them moths. What so, a weird way to find out about a band. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Rise are smart guys. They know what's happening in the scene. I'd, I'm they sure do, they absolutely. knew from... I mean, Emerosa was signed to Rise, so there was already that right. relationship there. Um, so I'm sure they knew something was happening, and then, uh, oddly enough, man, I probably... I mean, 2010 was when we signed. I checked my Facebook, and I oh, sent yeah. a message from Craig Erickson my heart literally sinks into my chest (laughs) and he's like yo dude we're really interested in the band like we heard some demos and like i just remember taking my phone we all lived in a basement like our band house and like our garage was like our smoke lounge and drink lounge everybody would chill and i ran out and was like dude like everybody starts screaming and freaking out it was uh you know it's cool for us i guess when we started rise was like our our dream label sure as i feel like it was a lot of 
it was a lot of that for bands of our realm, you know, metal bands or metalcore bands, post-hardcore bands, whatever you want to classify our band as. So it was something that was like, cool. No, that's awesome. But that's just such a funny way to get signed because you didn't even send them anything. Like you wouldn't hit them up. It was very surreal. Demo. It was like they were checking out a recording like of a guy a producer's like quality of how like can this guy record a kick drum well and like you know that's so funny man it's very surreal for us i guess i've never really most people don't ask so i don't get to share the story but it's very very weird like totally weird i'm pretty sure my fiance was sitting next to me and like i freaked out to the point where she's like is everything okay like I was like hyperventilating. I don't, I don't know, but yeah, dude, it's very surreal. So no, there's um, there is always that. I think anyone in a signed band, especially to a big label, um, has a has a story about yeah. how it happened. You know, for us, I'll, I'll never forget too. Like we had sent a demo to Victory Records and Tony Brummel, who we'd already heard of. Like he's you know, famous. Uh, <laughs> You know, uh, he just called Paul and was like, hi, it's Tony from Victory Records. Really like your stuff. And, we're, and, and, and Paul was just like, <gasps> like he couldn't even talk, you know? So, um, you know, and then he, Paul, Paul called me at work and was I was just like, you know, How I didn't old stop were you thinking guys? about, I didn't stop thinking about that for like a month, dude. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> how old were we? Um, it would have been... It would have been summer of 2002. So I was 21. No shit. So yeah, I guess I was old, a little bit older getting my... Uh, that was like a different time in music too. Like, I, I feel like that would... I feel like it would have... I, I guess I don't really know because I wasn't doing music then. But I feel like yep. it was a lot harder for us as fans to discover bands. So I can only imagine that it was kind of the same for labels too. Like having to kind of discover like the diamond in the rough. Like... Yeah, well, we were always kind of one of Tony's favorites. Um, he even used to say that, you know, how much he liked us, and he kind of treated us a little, maybe a little bit better than some of the other bands on the label. And that was because he felt like he discovered our band. You know, we didn't have hype. We didn't have, like, a bidding war for our <laughs> band. Like, we literally, like, sent a few labels um, demos, you know, because back then, like, you, you physically mailed them like CD. press kits and yeah press kit exactly with a picture of the band and every all that shit and you know which now it's like it doesn't happen anymore you like labels don't even Facebook accept that link or whatever. exactly yeah yeah and uh, so you know pretty much instantly he jumped on it and we got signed and we were still getting like rejection letters from other labels like after our record had already come out even no shit you know like I think drive through ended up being interested in stuff but. Um, it, it's, it was funny because, uh, yeah, you're, you're right. Like, th- back in those days, that was how you had to get discovered is you had to send, an, you know, an unsolicited demo of your music. And then wait because nobody could send you a tweet or a m- Facebook message. No, I mean, I guess they're like, obviously, email was a thing. Yeah. But e- it was, you know, you'd expect a phone call probably. Um so yeah, it's a totally crazy. different world. And now, like when kids, I'm sure kids probably ask you, "Oh, I got this band. What do I do?" I'm like, <laughs> I am not the guy to ask, man. Like I am 
like I don't know, yeah, burn a de- burn a CDR and and send it to a label. Like, no, don't do that. That's, but that's what weird, we did. It's a weird question to be asked. I, I guess because I mean, you touched on it earlier. What works for some bands doesn't really work for every band. You know, I I, I told our story. I feel like it's pretty unorthodox way for a band to get discovered, and I'd like to hope that most bands can create an experience like that for themselves. You know, I wouldn't want it to be. Uh, I wouldn't want a kid to come up to me expecting for me to give him all the answers. I, I guess because I, like you said, you you can't like. No, I mean you have to figure out things yourself too. I think like there's a, um, like that's part of life, you know, is is trial and error and and live and learn, missing the mark, yeah. and then you you know you really know and and you know nowadays like it's funny because. Anybody can go on YouTube and watch a tutorial of how to, like, do something the first time correctly and perfectly. Um, But, you know, when you do that, are you really learning how to do it or are you just doing it like kind of almost like mindlessly following the steps? Because how how, am I trying to say, like, you're not really gaining any of the knowledge of how to to do it other than following the rules. How it works, like intrinsically. How it works intrinsically. I don't even know if that's the right word. But you know what I mean? Let's like just there's the steps that like, well, this is the reason you're doing this step. Because when you're just blindly following the steps, you're not really learning. And I guarantee you, if you were to take away that YouTube page and be like, oh, you just did that like a while ago? Oh, do it again. People don't know how. I'm guilty of that. So, so, and we're all guilty of it now. I'm not saying I'm any better, but I'm saying that there's a certain amount of understanding that goes into the trial and error that you just you learn about how things yeah. work you know and, and when you're talking about music and and you know it's like writing a song like you, you can someone couldn't tell you oh this is how you write a song do it this way you could do it but it, it wouldn't be the same as if you I think it'd be authentic right if yeah. you if you wrote a song the way that you you know you're you the the, the journey found you rather than you finding the journey That's you know a good way to look at it so uh, anyways, man, I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little off track. Uh, so, back to like mods. So, you guys signed to Rise. You're stoked. You're hanging out in your drinking, smoking lounge, yeah. partying it up. Um, it comes down. It comes time to make music. The band starts going, and all of a sudden, like Moss the Flames, you're on tour, and you've got all this hype. And I remember, you guys had, you know, your first record came out. You started getting a lot of hype. Now, eventually what happens to bands that have hype is the hype dies. Plateaus pretty quick. And I feel like you guys had a lot of hype, you know, after your first record, going into your second record, and then you hit a bit of a wall. And I want to ask you how that felt and, and how you were able to sustain your band now through how many years you guys have been together and now it seems like you guys are really back on that archway. I think, uh, man, it's one of those things where it's a he said, she said situation where I don't want to throw <laughs> anybody under the bus or belittle anybody's career because of what 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 works for some bands doesn't work for all bands like like I said and um, no it goes we, back to just what we were saying we'd hit a point where we were properly improperly managed 
improperly guided um man it it just feels so like i hate to use the word political again but it just feels so political there were so many things like we didn't get sent x amount of cds because we owed x amount of money to the label already and it was like an amount that you would never imagine and us we stayed naive to it to the point where we didn't know we were in debt because just money wasn't going to the right places or or and it was one of those things where when our second album came out we were we were on warped expected to have cds to sell walk the line you know we got sent one box of cds 150 cds we sold them the first day and that's all that we got for the whole tour and it's one of those things where no no one is really to blame because we chose to be naive to it Mm -hmm. and it really took until the last couple years when we started taking control of our own band yeah where's the money going Instead of trend and putting our trust in somebody to, okay, we think we're going to do right by us. Like they're going to do right by us by putting the money where it needs to go. And it doesn't end up there. It's nobody's fault, but our own, because we weren't telling them where to put the money. Right. Like, um, and I, I guess it comes with being young. Like we were touching on earlier, as you get older and you mature, you learn things was a lot of trial and error for us it took two albums album two and three for us to get back on the path that we need to be on but but i mean if you're told by a manager like don't worry i got this don't worry i got this right you know and you put your trust into somebody to manage your band to manage your career um you know and you you feel like they have your best interest in mind then it's easy to for things to go off the rails and you not to notice I think that's what it was for us is it was too much too fast and then there's not enough damage control that we can do to repair everything right it was like sometimes you have a team behind your band I'm sure you guys have gone through it where maybe X agent doesn't work for you or X manager doesn't work for you after working for you for Mm -hmm. you know a short period of time and there were things that we felt were the best decisions for our band and Ooh, it's a fire truck. <laughs> Obviously, I guess it comes with member changes and stuff. New, new heads bring in new train of thought and new thought processes and new, yeah. just new ideas. And sometimes that can complicate things, especially when we were in a very trivial time. You know, we had been a band for four years. I feel like that kind of is, you know, two three years is about enough for some people, and then they've had it. they're yes. going to go back to real life. Go back to consistency is as far as I want to wake up in my own bed yeah. go to work come home and have dinner at 6.30 watch my show do it all <laughs> the next day like yep Wheel and, of Fortune at 7 right, right? at 7.30 <laughs> yeah and for us it I get I've given my life to music I've been touring Emerosa was that was in 2007 yeah we're about to hit 2017 it's, yeah uh, you know I, I I feel like, you know, I mean, you, you you've been doing it longer, so you you probably feel the same. When you give your life to something so much, I'm worried to know what's past it. You know, you know what I mean. I I there's nothing left 
there's nothing more that I can give of myself that I haven't already given to music or that I, I intend to invest into the band to right. make it keep going. And I think everybody's hit that point where we know that Rise is investing in us. We know that we have a manager who backs us to literally would back us to a wall of soldiers if he had to. You know what I mean? Like I, I can't put it into perspective what he would do for the band. And yep. for us, it's kind of lit a fire under our ass. You know what I mean? Right. There's people who believe in the band. We're gonna we're signing back to Rise for two more Great. albums. Great. They see potential in the band. It's just something where how can we not just be stoked to have have the opportunity? You know, I feel like sometimes being in bands like a roller coaster. Like our hype, absolutely, our hype was crazy on the first album. Yes. we put out singles that people wanted to hear. You know, some people arguably will say that's our best album. I disagree, but <laughs> um, you know. Uh, first impression can say a lot about a band you know one of my favorite bands in the entire world senses fail uh-huh let it unfold you it's like the most perfect record for me all the records they put out after that are amazing even still to this day but nothing is going to touch let it unfold you as far as like what like how i felt when i listened to it maybe the nostalgia you know the filter over my eyes or, or whatever but I, I try to think of how a kid would feel yes i try to think from from their perspective and saying normal me when a kid is like oh man i love your guys first album i'm like all right what about the one that we just put out last month or, sure you know kids like where's new music our last album hasn't even been out a year yet you know what i mean like i I'd, I'd like to hope that we have substance past putting out an album every year but that's another story but it, I've been I've kind of embraced it and now we're just at the point where we want to do right by us and our fans we want to provide our fans with a great album and we want to do ourselves better than we have on the last few absolutely man but I don't know if like you write songs it's really hard to write let me rephrase it's really easy to write when you've got a lot of shit going on when you've got a lot of things you can talk about and yeah but it's really hard to write when your mind is so cluttered with those things that it doesn't like when i was writing the last few albums i couldn't think clear because of all the things like i was worried like is this going to be enough for this party or this party or this party because of all the damage control we've had to do for the last couple of years and now i just I don't care. We're going to write an album and provide our our fans with an album that we think is the best for the band. And I think that goes right back to the one of the first things we talked about, which is like we're on tour, we're having a good time, we're seeing the sights. We're having fun, we're not yeah. sweating the small stuff. And when you do that, I think creatively, you know, you make a great point about the cluttered mind, how you need to have a lot of things there to write about, but when there's too much, you can't even you know, you can't see the forest for the trees. Yeah. And and it is very difficult to write or impossible to write. See, and I've, I've found that I leave, I've come at more of a... I feel brain dead in those situations to the point where I feel like if you could open my head, there's just like a mouse and he's just running in there. No food, no water, <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Like, and it's hot. Like, there's so much happening, but I can't make it. 
happen. Like, I know that sounds confusing, but like, as lyricists, vocalists, whatever, we're expected to write new things and fresh ideas all the time. But a lot of the last couple of years has, has been the same bullshit for me. It's like, I'm trying to write about the same stuff just to get out of it. And yeah. now I feel like I don't really have to write about that because we're out of it. And I can explore different atmospheres and, and different environments and just like... Yep. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, you talked a lot about, in some other interviews and stuff I was reading, about, you know, some shit, like a lot of shit going, you know, awry in your life. Like, yeah. you know, in 2014 and, you know, you, I know you lost some people. It's, you know... I. I I, don't, I never wanted to be one of those people that uses it as like a crutch. You know, yeah. I, I I write about it because I like to... It's a release for me. I wrote songs on the last album for my grandparents because for me it's like a tribute to them. You yeah. know, they were... Some of the clearest memories I have are like sitting in a chair in my nana, my nana and papa's house eating mini pancakes and drinking a <laughs> Diet Pepsi. <laughs> and it's just something like they had s- such an old fashioned relationship where they didn't have a couch. They each had a recliner sitting yeah. in the corner and I had a ch- my own chair. And it was just something like for me, that was, that's like my, those are like my parents. You know what I mean? Yep. And for me, it just spawns other things like my dad one of the most important dudes in my life lost his dad lost his mom I don't have intend to have kids so all my thought process is like that's our bloodline ending right and for me it just spawns all this other like this snowball effect of just negativity and it was until I wrote those songs that I felt like I could really like like I wrote those songs for for, for them and my dad and just like my way of being like i'm 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 here like you know i i guess it's a little weird but i feel like i just owed it to them to to write about it and be vulnerable like i said earlier i like to write about things that i can uh i like to write and be vulnerable so that i can portray that live i get it i i I never want to get to the point where i play the songs and they don't mean anything to me like i feel like you listen to a lot of our peer bands and some are evolving into a way that for me in just my opinion feels very bubbly there's a disconnect in how authentic the music feels because like nothing feels genuine because instead of trying to capture the root of what music is about it's becoming like a cash grab or like a, or about a light show, yeah. Or about a you know about entertainment. And um, I, I totally understand that, and I'm guilty of it too, man. Like I feel like I, we I don't all go are. up and play my heroin and think about what it's about. Every when I sing it, I've sing it, say that song like like over a thousand times, <laughs> and the meaning has worn off. So for you to say that every time you know you write these vulnerable songs and you think about them when you're up there, that's pretty amazing. That's not not everyone's like that. I like to might be a bad way to do it. I don't think that I'm the type of person for therapy. This is enough therapy for me to sit and shoot the shit with somebody, yeah. talk about the shit that's going on, but for me to go out and spend whether it's 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whether we're headlining, playing for an hour, I can go out there and that's my that's my therapy. That's my way of 
letting go of all the bullshit that I've carried. Yeah. And I don't know if it's the right the right way to do it, but for me it works. You sure. Know, I, I leave the stage feeling like I left something on the stage. And I feel like that's kind of the, the point of our band. So. Well, I know now you're engaged. Yeah. So congratulations. Thank you. Uh, do you have a date picked out yet? No. It's <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of weird because I want to do I want to be fair to to both parties. I know yeah. the band counts on me to be there because if I can't be there then nobody else can function. You know, it's not where whereas like I'm a guitar player where we can have somebody fill in or a drummer or and uh, I also want to be fair to my fiance Audrey so that I'm not. When you said her name, your face just like lit uh, up and you she, smiled. It was like the cutest the thing I've ever seen. Um, you took a little pause and you're like, ah. Well, that made me lose my That's train of thought. That's real love, dude, um, right there. Isla. That's a beautiful thing. I don't even remember what I was going to freaking say now. Um, I don't want to be unfair to her and get married and then turn around and have to tour. Like, I want to be able to get married and sit for a couple months, enjoy being married, yep. go on a honeymoon and... You know, just enjoy being newlyweds, and then the way the next year of our band is being like built right now yep. is not is not very fair to her. Sure. So I think it's looking like 2018, which is still pretty close. It's, you know, yeah, I, it'll I, be here before we know it. We were gonna do fall of next year, but you know, it's just one of those things where a lot of tours happen. We're gonna be putting yep. out a new album. I just don't. I want my focus to be on my wedding. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. My, uh, I totally, totally get it. No, but that's a beautiful thing, man. Congratulations on that. Thank you. you set a new record. Um, do you have recording plans yet? Writing plans? We do. We have uh, studio time locked in. Um, we're going to Eric Ron in LA. Um, okay, cool. January, February ish. Wow. To, uh, to write? Well, not write. We're we've been writing and stuff and. Uh, Wow, it's so soon. Yeah. So you're going to do that, and then, yeah, because you're on tour with us the rest of the year, you're going to do that, and then it's, uh, it's a record little, on Rise Records. So. It's fast forward. You know, it's, I feel like we've jumped into like a time warp. You know, there was a time, you know, the, the hype died in the band, so there was a time when we could take three months off and it wasn't a big deal, but now I feel like we we get that time off and it's like three months feels like one week because things are just, you know, like... yeah. I feel like just jumped into a time warp and now you know in two months we're going to be recording and you know, it'll be a pretty quick year but well man hey that's it's good it sounds like you got lots of things coming up um just to put it out there lake monster flames is back baby ooh, ooh, chris ooh. is back go bengals uh, uh never mind i say go bengals but it's been a rough year <laughs> I'm I, I'm so prideful about my teams that it's like sometimes I can't even take to the internet You're to a post Blue about them. Fan, are you? I am. <laughs> I know I you am. are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to last place in the bottom of the barrel, but I feel like it says a lot about my character. None of my team, aside from the Cavs, I apologize. Oh, yeah, the Cavs. Oh, that's uh, okay. I mean, shit, we had no hope of hoping um, all beating the Cavs. Aside from that, my team's blow, dude. Reds, last place in the MLB. Brutal. Jackets, last place. Bengals, playoffs, last six years, haven't won a game. It's... Well, hey, I, I, uh, I appreciate that you're loyal to them. Because some people 
Especially Ohio. I feel like Ohio people, they like to kind of <laughs> blur the lines like, oh, I'm a huge Indians fan See, all I, of a sudden. I've been joking around about it. Don't don't get me wrong. I, I think it's great for Ohio, especially because Cleveland, before oh. Cavs, Oof. turned into the ass of the state, man. Just, I mean, well, when the, when the automobile industry went down... Toledo went down, yeah. Cleveland went down, all the cities that were kind of like in, in route. So I think it's good for the state. I joke around that I'm an Indians fan, but no, it's it's rough being on the opposite side of things, not <laughs> not uh not having somebody to cheer for, but at least I'm not a Browns fan, so Yeah, wow. I kinda yeah. am a Browns fan actually. I grew up a Browns fan because my dad like Huge Browns fan. Is that like an across the lake thing, or is it like a? I don't know why he's a Browns fan, but he, he he is. And then when the Bills lost four Super Bowls in a row, I became a Bills uh, fan when I was a, a kid. So I'm a Bills fan now. Yeah, Bills are good. Bills are good now. They've had a rough go. I don't know how many years. I think they have the longest playoff drought right now. Uh, so I don't know if I would take a playoff drought or going to the first round of the playoffs and losing every year, but it's getting, I know what you mean. It's getting a little old. But they lost four Super Bowls in a row. That's impressive. That's hard to do. That's gotta be hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Chris, thank you, man, so course, much for man. Uh, for for Appreciate stopping you. in. And uh, that's right, like Mazda Flames, they're back. We're back. They baby. are back. So you new record next year. It's awesome, man. Thanks Appreciate again. Appreciate you. Cheers. Thanks, brother. So there's my chat with Chris from Lake Moss to Flames. Such a nice guy. So soft-spoken. It was great to have him. Make sure you check out their last record and the one before. The one before, actually, I sang a guest vocal for them. And I don't do that very often. So they came to me. They asked me if, if I would like to sing on their song. And I said I would absolutely love to. So I think it's very fitting for the final track of today's podcast to be one featuring both Chris and myself. Here it is. It's called Into the Ground by Lake Monster Flames. I'm Lead Singer Syndrome. We'll see you next week. Peace and love.